Love is not just for sweet words or tenderness of touch and sappy emotions. Love is the bedrock of integrity, courage, and sacrifice. Who else but those whose hearts are soaked in love have held others' well-beings above their own? Who have stood up against threats and dangers but for those invested in love? Who but the lovers have been the most willing to sacrifice all that matters in themselves at the altar of love? Love, the tenderest and the most resilient of all human traits. Love by Sadhguru. Welcome back, a very big and a very special welcome back to the Composition Podcast. This is episode 22. Um, it's been a really long time since I've done one of these. Um, but definitely welcome back if you're listening. I appreciate you listening. The opening poem there was by Saad Guru. He was born September 3rd, 1957 in Mysuru, India. He is a yogi, a mystic, visionary, and the founder and head of the Isha Foundation started in 1992. If you check out his Twitter, which is home to approximately 4 million followers, you will find a link to his website, SaveSoil.org. Save Soil is a global movement launched by Sadhguru to address the soil crisis by bringing together people from around the world to stand up for soil health and supporting leaders of all nations to institute national policies and actions toward increasing the organic content in cultivable soil. I thought that poem was perfect to open up with on my return episode simply because I need as much love as I can get. I know if you're listening, you do too. Um, It's a really sad week for hip hop, with us losing one of the most iconic members of the iconic Migos group. Rest in peace to take off. One of the beautiful things about listening to his music is that you can definitely hear the love in his music, the love he had for his family, the brothers he was in the group with. He always mentioned his grandma in every every album he did. He was going to make sure he, he, he let you know where his foundation was. So again, huge rest in peace to take off. And yeah, I don't even know where hip-hop goes from here. Migos was really that as far as groups go in hip-hop. As, really, as far as trendsetting, they really did that for a number of years. So hopefully Quavo and Offset could, you know, stay the course and keep focus and keep working. But before that, find the love from the people around them and just keep moving forward. So my book of the week this week is The Biggest Bluff, How I Learned to Pay Attention, Master Myself, and Win by Maria Konnikova. The book is from HarperCollins Publishers, and it's 368 pages. It wasn't too bad of a read. I will say, though, if you aren't familiar with poker or card games in general, it's going to be a really, really difficult adjustment period from the beginning to the middle of the book, but it it flows really nice once you really, really get into it. While researching about Maria like I do with all other authors, I wasn't able to locate a birth date, which I thought was extremely fucking odd. I only found that she moved to America at four years old after migrating from Moscow, Russia with her parents. She is now a New York Times bestselling author, 
journalist, and professional poker player where she's amassed winnings of over $300,000. She graduated from Harvard University where she, studied, where she studied creative writing and psychology. She then received her PhD in psychology from Columbia University. As for this book, I've had it on my bookshelf for about a year now, and I've always been loosely interested and connected to card games. My family is huge on gambling, so that's just something I've always been around. Um, but when I saw the cover of the book, I definitely was like, okay, that looks like something I can get into. I bought it, and of course it just got lost in the mix of the books that I own. But recently I just decided to pull it out, and it made its way into my reading list. To me, this book is part parable of life, part professional autobiography. I label it that because Maria chronicles her journey through a pursuit of being a professional poker player from a complete novice, but her intuitive approach to her memoir features lessons for the reader to apply to every, everyday decisions that they make for themselves. There are three key lessons that I took away from the book without mentioning too much, but the first is having passion for whatever you're deciding to be your purpose. For her, it became mastering poker. So that's where she put all of her attention and she, she, she achieved it. The second being awareness and dedication to learning and mastering that purpose and knowing when to quit or lose and how to do it. Those seem like pretty simple tasks and we all face those things every day. But Maria's breakdown of facing those challenges through the scope of poker is not only a very unique story, but extremely great writing. For me, this book is like 21 without Kevin Spacey. <laughs> That's how I envisioned it in my head. So now before I read books, I like to go through Goodreads reviews, Amazon reviews, and Google reviews just to pretty much get a gauge on how people feel about the book before going into it. I don't think it ever really skews my view of what I'm going to read, but there was something in particular that really, really stuck with me while attempting to read this book. Um, this one review on, I think it was Goodreads, it gave the book one star because the reader felt it was a self-help guide for learning how to play poker and that it didn't really deal with Maria's real life. And after reading the book in whole, I couldn't disagree with the sentiment any more than I do already. The reader went into the book, in my opinion, the reader went into the book with an expectation set already, the guideline for what they wanted to read already, and they failed to adjust to what actually was presented to them. Ultimately, it ruined their enjoyment of the book, and I'm sure any lesson that they expected to receive from Maria was ruined also. So I'm highlighting that review because it's that very mindset that Maria addresses, or rather Maria's coaches teach her to address and to rid herself of in order to truly succeed in poker and by relation to succeed in life. So all in all, what I'm saying is if the reader would have just sat back and enjoyed the book and adapted to what was going on instead of what they wanted, they really would have got the, the entire purpose. Uh, there's a quote in the book, it goes, real life is not just about modeling the mathematically optimal decisions. It's about discerning the hidden, the uniquely human. It's about realizing that no amount of formal modeling will ever be able to capture the vagaries and surprises of human nature. And I think that 
perfectly applies to that comment left by the reviewer while that person confined confined themselves to what they expected they missed everything um i can't admit though certain parts of the book are so so specific to the parallel between precise decision making and winning poker players that you kind of lose yourself in the message but when you really like dedicate yourself to understanding how and why people pursue their passions the way they do then you really like fall into enjoyment of this book so uh yeah it's it's a lot of information to take in especially like i said if you're a, a complete poker novice you might not even you might you will find yourself getting lost and rereading pages over and over again i definitely found myself rereading the same shit a few times and i thought i knew a little bit about poker but 10 or 15 pages into this book i realized that it's a lot more than just playing poker um my excerpt from the book is going to be from pages 19 to 22 um the version i'm going to be reading from is the ibooks version so it's on my phone so the pages might not be accurate based on if you have the actual book but i hope you're reading with me definitely let's see pages 19 to 22 all right let's go Eric Seidel is surely the most self-efficient poker champion in the world. Apart from his poker accolades, he stands out from other players for his longevity. He still contends for number one, and he has since his career first started in the late 80s. That takes some doing. The game has changed a lot in the last 30 years, and with so many facets of modern life, the qualitative elements of poker have been passed over in a favor of the quantitative. Measurement presides over intuition, statistics over observation, game theory over feel. We've seen the trend play out in areas as far afield as psychology, social psychology giving way to neuroscience, and music, with algorithms and experts quantifying not just what we listen to, but how. To the fraction of a second, a song should be structured for maximum pop. Poker is no different. Caltech PhDs line the table. Printouts of stats columns are a common sight. A conversation rarely goes for more than a beat without the offhand dropping of GTO, Game Theory Optimal, or Plus EV, Positive Expected Value. Talk of frequencies trumps talks of feelings. But despite predictions that his style of play, a psychological one, based less on mathematical outputs and more on understanding the human element would render him a dinosaur, Eric stays on top. In the bombastic testosterone and expletive-filled ego-driven world of professional poker, Eric is atypical in more than his unassuming manner. He may be the only poker pro to boast a membership to the Brooklyn Academy of Music, a willingness to fly across country to see Dave Chappelle do stand-up, or a near encyclopedic knowledge of the latest in the culinary scene from Los Angeles to Manila. He's certainly the only pro who prefers New York to Vegas and has a part-time residence on the Upper West Side of Manhattan the same area where he grew up, and not just the usual Vegas abode. 
His curiosity is genuine and boundless. His enthusiasm for life entirely contagious. Do you know Julia and Angus Stone? He asks offhand the first time we meet. Who? I don't even know which bucket those names fit into. Authors I've never heard of. Actors I'm woefully unaware of. Random New Yorkers Eric thinks I should know. Musicians, it turns out. I hope I'm not losing his interest, that I'm sophisticated enough to pass his litmus test. My nervousness is going nowhere fast. They're really something special, a brother-sister duo from Australia. I've heard them play many times. Something special is a phrase I'll come to know well. Burbigs, something special. The new production of Othello, something special. An offbeat tiny sushi bar tucked far from the strip in Vegas, where we go for dinner during my first trip out to the city of sin. Something special. A professional poker player named Lucky Chewy. Something special. I'm his junior by a quarter century, but I realized talking to him that, I for, that I've forgotten what it feels like to enjoy new experiences. I get lazy. I feel jaded. I want to curl up and stay in rather than see the latest talk at the 92Y or an obscure musical act from Canada playing at Joe's Pub. Eric drags me to both and each time he is right. Over the coming months, my playlist will be overhauled with his recommendations. Much like my stand-up predilections, Netflix queue, and list of theater shows that I absolutely have to see that I will of course never make it to. He's a one man goings on about town. My ideal evening, dinner at home, some wine, some tea, a book or a movie in bed. His reply, you're in New York City, the greatest city in the world. Look at what you're missing. He approaches poker with the same passion and constant inquisitiveness. He loves, to he loves to follow the up-and-coming players, is hip to the latest apps and programs, never assumes that he's learned all there is. He refuses to plateau. If I had to assign him a life motto, it would be this. Life is too short for complacency. Indeed, when I inevitably ask him the question he gets asked most frequently, what his single piece of advice would be to aspiring poker players, his answers is two words long. Pay attention. Two simple words that we simply ignore more often than not. Presence is far more difficult than the path of least resistance. I first encountered Eric the way I imagine most player newbies do in the 1998 movie Rounders. In many ways, Rounders brought poker to the masses. A story of a brilliant law student Matt Damon, who pays his way through school with his poker prowess and the end quitting law altogether to play full time. And the one game that most inspires Matt Damon's character, playing in the background and analyzed ad infinitum through the film is the 1988 WSOP final table showdown between Eric Seidel and Johnny Chan. Johnny fucking Chan, the master, the commentators repeat over and over. And Eric Seidel, the kid who doesn't know what hit him. The most famous poker match in the non-poker world. Seidel's queens falling to Chan straight, 
an expert trap for an unwitting victim. Chen was the reigning world champion. Seidel was at his first ever major tournament. He'd made it past 165 other contenders to be there. At the final table, the last man standing saved one. It was an incredible feat and the start of an incredible career. The movie was a hit on college campuses. It came out in the late 90s and by the early aughts, every kid was contemplating a life of paying their way through school by poker prowess. I didn't care about poker at that time. I had no idea what a straight was or why Chan had trapped Seidel with it or any of it. It was a foreign language I had little interest in learning. But when I finally watched the film some years later, a line uttered by Matt Damon as he contemplated Seidel and Chan's matchup struck me. It wasn't about playing the cards. It was about playing the man, a cliche true but one that got to the heart of my interests, that captured much of what I'd been thinking about the world. Psychology, self-control, being willing to check your straight all the way to the end, as Chan did, sitting on the best hand possible, so stealthily that you rope along your opponents, tricking them into thinking they are winning when you've had them beat the whole time. You didn't have to know what a straight was to see the appeal and the strategic beauty. And here was the man himself, the kid turned master, one of the walking legends of the poker world. And I was about to persuade him to take me on as a student of poker for the next year of his life. Even though, as far as I knew, he'd never taken a student in the past and I'd never even played a single game of poker. I wanted Eric to teach me to train me for the ultimate poker championship, the World Series of Poker, or WSOP. The one that, so many years ago, had first made him an unwitting poker legend. Through that journey, I hoped to learn how to make the best decisions I possibly could, not just at the card table, but in the world. Through poker, I wanted to tame luck to learn to make a difference even with the deck scene stacked against me. All right, so that's gonna be it for my excerpt. But again, many of the topics Maria touches on within her time learning how to become a professional poker player reflect aspects of everyday issues like the lack of or overindulgence in one's confidence. And she even has a part of the book where she addresses sexism. She learns of the scarce amount of women winning or even competing in poker tournaments and is actually stunned by the fact that there's even a women's only tournament to begin with. My favorite lesson from the entire book is why I chose that excerpt right there. Maria understood as many people do and as I'm myself even coming to understand that the power of mentorship is second to none. She knew in order for her to become a poker master and compete in the WSOP, in like a six month to a year span, she would need to be taught by the very best of the best, and here he was. Of course, there were people above him, but you know, you gotta go with what you can get, and she found one of the best, so of course she's gonna go for it. Now, while those conditions are, are of course specific to her, the idea of being taught by the best to become the very best is universal. Steel sharpened steel, and that's just one of the many ways that we can grow our talents. So, of course, having a mentor is very, very, very instrumental 
and becoming the best version of yourself. So yeah, that stuck with me. I definitely wanted to have that as my excerpt. Um, I'm currently looking for a few different mentors, one for each different passion I have. The more passionate you are about something, the more you should want to be informed on every aspect of it. So that really stuck with me. My book of the week next week is called Grocery, The Buying and Selling of Food in America by Michael Ruhlman. Definitely go get that book and be ready to read with this for next week. Um, you can subscribe, get my full book review at the compositionbookclub.com, compositionbc.com, or domain.com. You can follow me on my Instagram and Twitter at Dermain, D-E-R-M-A-I-N-E underscore. You should already know that information by now, though. Definitely go uh, check all of that out. Um, coming up, I have a nice little conversation with an artist that goes by the name SBX. She's an R&B artist that I want to introduce you to, but before I do any of that, I have a track that I want to play for you from her latest project called These Songs Are About You Too. Um, the song I'm going to play is my fucking mellow relaxation song. It's a nice reset for me for whatever chaos and whatever action is going on in my day. And hopefully when you hear it, it can be a nice little reset for yourself before you get into the interview. Shout out again to SBX for the dope talk. And thanks again for being my first interview back on the show. Make sure you go download both of her projects. These songs are about you and these songs are about you too. And make sure you go get the book, Grocery, The Buying and Selling of Food in America by Michael Rubin, excuse me, <laughs> by Michael Ruhlman, R-U-H-L-M-A-N. All right, let's get into this song. Could 
I've got it right. I wish we gave it some time. Should I wait? Will you stay? You know I'd rather be a fool. I'd rather be with you. song is called Over the Moon. It is from SBX and her project is titled These Songs Are About You Too. Please go follow her. Go check out all of her music. Let her know what you think about the work and subscribe to the Composition Podcast. Hold the phone. Pause everything until you go do that right now for more recommendations more reviews, and more content. Before I sign out, I want to thank you for listening to the Composition Podcast, episode 21. And be ready for next week. That's really much all I can say. Here's that conversation with SBX. I hope you enjoy So first and foremost, I want to say thank you for taking the time to have this conversation with me. Um, I know you said you were under the weather, and I've been under the weather fucking all week. Here in the States, the weather's been changing, and I've been dealing with the flu for the last two weeks. So I definitely appreciate it. And what time is it there? It's literally um, almost midnight. Wow. (laughs) Okay, so Yeah. yeah, I definitely appreciate the effort. You're committed to it. I definitely can see that. You're all the way committed to it. I appreciate that. For sure. So I guess before I start grilling you with questions, I should introduce who I am first. So my name is Dermaine. Um, I've been making music, I would say seriously, for the last two years. But um, since about 13 or 14 years, years old, definitely as soon as I touched high school, that was the first thing I wanted to do to fit in and be cool was make music. So um, Mm -hmm. I've been doing the composition podcast. I started it, I want to say right before the pandemic is when I came up with the idea. Um, I feel like with people in our age group, reading is like shunned and it's seen as something that's not necessarily cool. And I love reading, like I love poetry. I love reading just as much as I love music. So I feel like any way that I can show the next generation or anybody that looks up to me that, you know, reading is cool and learning is cool and sharing with other people what you learned is cool. And that's what I try to do. Um, you're my first like personal interview. I mean, ever since I've done the rebrand, once COVID hit, I had to stop, of course. But since I've been getting back into it, you're my first like one-on-one interview. So I definitely, again, appreciate you taking the time out to do to do this. 
Um, I just found your music randomly, just like Apple mm -hmm. Music suggested it to me. Started listening mm -hmm. because, like I said, uh, learning about new artists is something I try to like pass on with the podcast. So I said, let me yeah. take a listen to it. And I instantly fell in love with it. I believe the first song I heard was um, For You. I think that was the first yeah. song. And I was like, okay, yeah. let me listen to it. Definitely um, fell in love with it instantly. You're like one of the mm -hmm. first artists where I hear lines of things that I've personally gone through. That was the biggest okay. draw for me. Okay. So when I reached out to you and you responded and you know you told me you were from South Africa, that really just added a whole nother layer of questions <laughs> that I wanted to ask you. I'm like, wow, really? Like that yeah. really takes it to the next level. So um, I guess we can start there. Um, tell me about just growing up in South Africa and the biggest, well, first of all, I want you to speak to me as if I'm completely ignorant to everything you're gonna say. Okay. If I pronounce certain things wrong, you have to excuse me and correct me. Like that's the best thing about learning about your music and who you are as a person. It's everything is completely mm -hmm. new for me. So I definitely appreciate yeah. that. So um how do I pronounce where you're from? Is it in Pen in Pengini? Mpangini. Mpangini. Am I yeah. saying that right? Okay, cool. Tell yeah, me about yeah. gr growing up there, like what was it like? Yeah, so I mean, Epangeni is a very small town in. Uh, so back in the states, you guys have um, states, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? right? And we have provinces. Um, so we have nine provinces, and one of the provinces that we have is called Kwazulu Natal, and that's where Epangeni is. Kwazulu um, Natal is also where Durban is. So um, I'm, ho I'm hoping you, I'm sure you know it, what Durban is. Yeah, I've heard of, yeah, I've heard of that before. Yeah, so Epangeni um, is like a really small town. It's like small population. Everyone knows everyone. It's like a retirement kind of small, you know, when you think of like a small town where it's slow, everyone knows everyone. It's, it's community-based. It's, it's, it's like nothing really happens there. Um, very few schools. I mean, we have things there, but it's not like the city, you know? Right. And so, you know, yeah, I just grew up just like living really like, like a normal life, like a normal casual life in that town. Okay, so let me jump right quick. Tell me how do I pronounce your name? Because hearing you say it and then reading it, is completely <laughs> different. <laughs> no, I want to hear you um, say it. Okay, so my my name is Spafe. That's like the the fastest way to say it. Um, but it's spelled Sibafe, which is. <laughs> is that like it, a French it, origin? What's the origin of that? No, it's Zulu. It's a Zulu. It's a Zulu okay. um, name. It means we are beautiful. And um, okay. yeah, so how it's said, you say it without the I, you know, and but it spells with the I. And the the part that really gets everyone when it comes to the name is the she. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that's the H-L-E, you know, so right. I'll make parts and then she and spell to just... I wanna I wanna practice a few times while I'm not recording before I even try to say it. 
I'm just calling you SBX, Superstar Extraordinaire. That's your name until I learn how to pronounce it without sounding crazy. <laughs> you can definitely call me SBX. Cool. So before we even get to the music, what were like some of your favorite things growing up as far as like food or music? Like what's something that I'm probably not familiar with that you really loved as a kid? You know, what's so crazy. Um, the stuff that I grew up around, um, I, I like I grew up like really like immersed in American culture just a bit. Right. Um, like I grew up on the Disney Channel and Hannah Montana and, right. you know, Miley Cyrus, Selena Gomez, Demi Lovato, those are the people that I used to, that I grew up on looking up to. And That's so interesting because yeah. as a black American, it's always been the exact opposite. Like, as a kid, I've always been so fascinated and so curious about everything that's coming out of Africa. So to hear that, it's it's really interesting. Yeah, yeah like, the, like, especially when I was growing up, like, um, I'm ex again, I'm explaining things like you don't know, like, what's happening. Um, no, I'm, trust me, I, I, the learning is, is, is an experience. <laughs> no, I'm here for it. I'll look it up, whatever it is. Yeah, so... Um, primary school, which is like your guys' version of elementary school. Right. Um, we grew up and like, we were like so hopped up on like, there was like an era of just like young money, cash money, and oh, everyone yeah. was into that. That was us. Like, it's it's really weird how much- How old are you? I'm 23. Yeah, I was gonna say, it sounds like we're roughly around the same age. Yeah. So I, I just grew up around like that, like we were so like immersed in American culture. We, for some reason, knew everything that you guys were doing and all the celebrities were doing. And so I like that's like essentially everything that I grew up around. I grew up around a lot of American um, stuff, music, phones. Did you have like a favorite artist growing up? Somebody that you can like for me, I definitely say the person that made me fall in love with hip hop or rap to begin with is Lupe Fiasco. Like he was my introduction to the thing I love the most in the world. And the person yeah. who I would say influence, like it has the most influence over just how I see music in general, I would say is Kendrick Lamar. So who's like the, the person that introduced you into wanting to make music and who's like the biggest influence or the biggest person that you want to follow for your own career? Wow, okay, so it's kind of layered. Um, when I was younger, you know, just growing up watching um, the Disney Channel, I think that was my first like kind of exposure to what it would be like to be extremely famous. <laughs> and I was like, I like this. I want this, this makes sense. Like I wanna be a teen like sensation, <laughs> you right. know? Um, but as I grew older and then, you know, I started getting exposed to hip hop and my brother really, you know, exposed me to Drake. And that was like my first introduction to like Drake and Drake, the way that he did it was so, you know, it was influenced by R&B. And I also liked that because- Ah, uh, that, ex like, that explains a lot. Yeah, there was that, 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 that hip hop R&B touch and I was like, I like this version of hip hop. It's not too rough. 
<laughs> I don't have to dissect too much, but I can also, you know, be in touch with my feelings over a couple 808s. You know, I really right. love that about Drake. And I remember, you know, Thank Me Later was, Thank Me Later was essentially just like everything. I used to listen to that album, start to finish, and I knew all the lyrics. And um, I remember I was that too. That was a time. Yeah, that was definitely yeah, a time. It was a good time. I was just right. so obsessed. And you just it just kind of grew from there. And then I started becoming, you know, introduced to artists like Jeanette, Aiko, and um, obviously then there's Rihanna, then there's just a bunch. It was just like a, a plethora, just an opening of just artists. Right. that I really fell in love with and that I, I, I get some inspiration. And my brother's also responsible for introducing me to Kanye and I really enjoy listening. Uh, you know, I take a lot of inspiration from Kanye's music as well. Um, so, you know, it was just like a... There's a bunch, there's a bunch of artists, but um, the roots of it all was really Drake. And then it just kind of became a crazy thing. That's so interesting. I would have I would have never expected to hear Drake was like the antithesis of it all for you. That's that's dope. So yeah. I always say that like people that use music to like cope with whatever they're going through or to like motivate themselves are like music oriented. But it, like in your case, you're somebody that comes from music. I know your father was heavily involved in music and your sister was in the choir, right? Um, yeah, and yeah, so was I as well. And my mom. Okay. And then you said your, your brother helped introduce you to music. So it seems like you come from a family that really cultivates music. So was there ever like any pressure for you to make music early on? Or did you just always like naturally want to do it? Oh, I just naturally wanted to do it. Um, where it actually started was started with acting. I really just fell in love with the stage in, in preschool which is like your guys' kindergarten. <laughs> Same. That was, that was definitely my, my introduction into like wanting to do music too, was theater yeah. almost. Yeah, so like I really fell in love with the stage. I really fell in love with um, acting first as a little kid, as like six years old and everything. I really fell in love with it. And then, you know, as I got older, I just explored that more and my family was always supportive because we're so it's a family full of creatives and people who love music and love just creativity overall so everyone was just supportive like for my family it was if I wanted to dance today they were for it if I wanted to act tomorrow they were supportive if I wanted to sing the next day it was all systems go so so uh, with that being the case how yeah. did you zero in on music? Like you starting with theater and then having a family that's going to support you no matter what. How did you know that music was the thing and not tennis tomorrow or trying to be an <laughs> astronaut the next day? You know, I don't, you know, it was just for me, it was about what came naturally. And right. also it really helped me. It really helped that I wasn't really afraid to put myself out there you know when it came to even being like a little kid um in preschool trying to get like theater roles and the, the christmas play i would i was not afraid to put myself out there and say i want to audition for the lead right and then i'd get the part you know i was i was i was i wasn't shy i knew what i wanted and i think just me knowing that really it made the whole thing come naturally 
so it wasn't even a thing of am i will i is this it was just like this is where i'm supposed to be in that so let me throw this at you Okay. Because that resonates heavy with me. Like, even as a little mm-hmm. kid, anything that I've always wanted to do, mm-hmm. I, I never feared embarrassment. I always feared just doing it. But mm-hmm. then as you grow older, yeah. you have that, that same drive. And it's almost yeah. seen as, as a certain, like, cockiness or it's, like, yes. ego-driven when you really yeah. just, like, are confident at every effort that you put forth. So yeah. how do you maintain the balance of always being confident in your work but then not coming off as an asshole because i really don't have that balance a lot of the times me being confident in the things i say or the things i want to do offends other people and i don't really care too much about it i'm learning as i get older how to but do you ever deal with that all the time but i'm glad it's not just me that's no, I think I think I think it, it happens a lot, but also for the longest time, like even just who I am naturally as a person, I've always just been someone who, if I want something, I'm gonna get it. And uh, part of part of me going out to go get something is me knowing that I'm gonna get it. Right. So it's just me. I get. I guess just doing process, just the process of getting it. But I know I'm gonna get it. You know, I'm just doing it just to do it. But it's mine. You know, before I've even stepped into the space, I know that. But I've had people try to kind of make me feel bad for knowing that. And I think for me, right. the biggest thing is rather trying to train myself to not internalize people because a lot of people project. They project, oh, they feel like inside, oh, I cannot do this. And I don't like the fact that you know you can do this. So I'm right. make you feel bad for the fact that you can do something. If you're doing something and it's not hurting, anyone else you should not be bothered about who wants to project what and you know like as a teenager because being a teenager comes with a lot of insecurities it was easy for me to feel like i should be i should dim my light i shouldn't feel you know like confident in the things that i do i do things right. regardless but it feels so like after afterwards like really critical of myself afterwards but you know, now I'm kind of getting trying to train myself to get into a space where it's like, don't internalize. People have opinions. Most of the time, people are projecting. You're not hurting anyone by going for what you want. You're not hurting anyone by being confident. So like I'm right. stepping on people's toes to get to where I want to be. I'm just living my life and doing. And the crazy like part that. that I've like noticed, yeah, is when you don't internalize when you don't internalize mm-hmm. how you make people feel like whenever you just walk around confident and and people it gets at people whenever you don't internalize people are hurt by that too they're hurt mm-hmm. by you not feeling away about them feeling away which i think yeah. is absolutely ridiculous it is it is but it's it's such a a human thing where where you just feel like Besides you being the main character of your world, you feel like you also have the main character of someone else's. And it's like, it doesn't work like that. I'm the main character of my own life. I definitely get that. Yeah, and there's a certain way that I want the first 30 minutes of this movie to go and the rest of it to go. And And I'm going to make sure that I, you know, hit all those marks, you know. Whether you have a problem with that, you can you know, figure that out in therapy. 
I'm not going to. It's not my problem. <laughs> you know. That's so funny. I don't know. People project. People project, and you know, I won't lie and say it hasn't gotten to me, especially when I was in high school, because it right. actually sat lot in high school. But now I just kind of roll my eyes, because it's just like I know where it's coming from, and it's not a me. Not a me problem, but a you problem because right. I know that I'm doing does not affect you in any way. You want to be affected by it on purpose, so that's your problem. I'm gonna mind my business. You mind my business for me as well. <laughs> <laughs> so even speaking to you right now and like watching your interviews, it seems like the biggest characteristic that like is important to you is like emotional awareness and emotional expression. Yeah. And for me. I'm always hyper aware of my emotions, but I always express how I feel either the wrong way or in a way that is not synonymous with how I really feel. So how do you how do you find that balance, especially as an artist, somebody that's like always have to be like in a front facing position? How do you deal with I feel this way, but I have to I have to be this way? Is that is that a hard balance for you? It kind of is, honestly. Um, cause a lot of like being an artist and besides me being an artist, there's also Swahili person, you know, right. and so it's just about me trying to find the balance between SBX and Swahili and trying to see how those two people, um, can fit into each other's lives without essentially stepping on each other or whatever it is. It's not the easiest thing, but I mean... I'm figuring it out <laughs> every day. Um, I'm you said something in the interview that like really, really resonated with me. You said, I think it was, um, you've never not wanted people to see you how you see yeah. you. And I'm like, yo, yeah. that is literally the story of my life since I was like 13. Like once I had enough awareness of self Mm -hmm. to really understand like the situations I put myself in. I've always said to myself, I don't ever want to put myself in a situation where people mm -hmm. see me in a way that I don't see myself. So I mm -hmm. thought that was that was really, really heavy on me when you said that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and me even making that comment, and I said that in that same interview, and I was just like, it's because I'm so image conscious. I'm really aware about how I'm perceived from more than right. anything I've about how I perceive myself and I try to put how I perceive myself first because I know that how other people perceive me can change at any time people are fickle people change their opinions right. all the time some people don't even want to have genuine opinions about you they just want to project right. negativity so if I don't yeah, have social a media for you exactly I don't, if I don't have a comfortable perception of myself I'm always right. going to label myself or categorize myself the way the world wants to see me and it's i'll never truly know myself and i never want to live life living for other people i never right. want to do that i want at my core always live and strive to be myself at all times because i know me being myself is what's going to take me far so i don't want to lose sight of that well, you're doing, you're doing a, a damn good job of it so far. Keep going. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> so let me talk to you a little bit about your music. Like sure. I said, ever since I found it, maybe like three weeks ago, 
I've been a huge fan. There's been plenty of lines that have resonated with me and touched me personally. So I've, I definitely suggest you to all the girls that I know that have, are either happy in a relationship that I'm trying to <laughs> ruin. Hey, listen to this and get <laughs> Or a lot of the times, like, your music helps me get through a mood. So it's like, okay, I'm going through this, so I feel this way. Let me put this on. Somebody feels exactly how, it's all, It's really therapy, trust me. Somebody feels how I feel or felt how I felt, and it really pulls me out of it. So I definitely appreciate you for that. So I've heard you, you've denied before <laughs> being a, a alternative R&B artist. You feel like you're yeah. just like a pure artist. I definitely, yeah. I, I, I fucking resonate with that a lot too because I feel like as much as I want to be a rapidy rapper, mm-hmm. it doesn't fully encapsulate what it is mm-hmm. that I'm trying to express, whether it be sadness or anger. So I could write a verse that I think is pretty dope, but that's not enough. So I try to give a little bit more in like a poem or a short story or whether I'm doing a book review, I try to make it all really, ex- like really reflect how I feel in the moment. Mm-hmm. What's, what's some of the other ways that you feel like you express your art? I know you said you had you did theater as a kid. Is that still something that you do, acting? Yeah, um, so I'm currently um, studying theater and performance okay. um, um, at the University of Witwatersrand at Johannesburg. What don't you and... do? <laughs> Good question. Um, I do everything. <laughs> um so I'm 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 still studying I'm studying theater right now I'm doing my honors year, um, so you know it's still something that I do I I still love acting, um, I'll never stop really, right? Um, that's, but I I I have many other interests as well you know I have interests in fashion I have interests in there's a number of things you know writing. And I think I, I they all. I completely understand. Yeah, I feel like they all just kind of. If, how do I? Okay, how do I explain this? Like they all kind of work within each other, like almost like a, a little. They complete community. each other. Yeah. So, whether it's me writing a screenplay or a play, um, it still also helps me with writing my songs and vice right. versa. And me acting on stage is not too far from me performing on stage. You know, everything just kind of interlinks and helps each other and helps me become a better artist. And I think that's why I don't want people to get obsessed with categorizing me and feeling like, oh, she makes R&B, so she has to make alternative R&B. No. But, you know, because what if I decide to tap into other genres and then my audience gets confused, you know? rather just say it right now and say i'm an artist currently making (laughs) r&b but we don't know if in five years i'll still be that i could change my mind no i like that i like that yeah inspiration from other things and you know and just and just change the route of my music and and that's okay too um i think um, I'm also I'm also just someone who doesn't like titles in general. I, no, I understand that. To, yeah, especially when it comes to like my creativity, I just kind of feel like don't box it because I'm 
I can do a lot of things. That's right. one. So yeah, I was gonna um, say it's more than just the music. You have the music, then you yeah. the monologue at the beginning of the video. Then you pretty much create created the whole treatment for the video yourself too, right? Exactly. Yeah, I was a part of the treatments. I was a part of the styling. I was a part of the. I wrote the monologue, opening monologue myself. Um, I have my hands in everything. Many different and sides I, to the art. Yeah, and I even act in my own music videos. I have. I'm hands-on, so if we're gonna like categorize me, we're gonna we're gonna get creative. It's gonna be way too many categories, <laughs> okay? So let's just one one word artist. And then I like that. I like yeah. that. So you've been professionally making music since about like 19 or 20, right? Um, yeah, 20. Yeah. All right. And what was the first project that would be songs about you? The first one, right? Yeah. These songs yeah. are about you. Okay, yes, so what what do you think has been the most notable difference between when you started at 18 or 19 or 19 or 20 and you at 23? What's been the biggest piece of growth that you can take away from that? Um, I think one of the things is that I'm less afraid to just allow myself to get lost in the process, you know, pre-release which is essentially writing the songs. I think even with the second project, these songs are about you too. I feel like I allowed myself to just write and get creative with the writing and not get obsessed with making things sound pretty or get obsessed with making things sound poetic and right. just get right into, this is how I feel. These are my emotions. I'm sad about this. I'm happy about this. These are my questions. This is right. what you did. Fuck you. <laughs> you know, I, I was a lot more honest. Um, I'm a lot more honest now. And I feel like with the first project, I was, although I really, really love that project. When it's I look great. back at the writing, thank you. When I look back at the writing, I'm just like, I was really obsessed with things sounding pretty. Right. Instead of, instead of telling the story. And well, I can say. For my side as the listener, like I said, I think For You was the first song that I found from you. and But I listened to uh, These Songs Are About You too before I heard the first album. So of course mm -hmm. I went back and listened to the first. And the songwriting definitely, the, the upgrade on the songwriting is, is a lot better. From um, yeah. the last song where it's dedicated to your brother. Like that really crushed me. I want you to know I was driving to my job. I was driving to Richmond, Virginia. It's a two and a half hour drive. So I'm listening to the album and that song comes on. The first time I heard it, I teared up. I had a theory, but I don't know if it's right. My theory was after hearing that final song that when you say these songs are about you too, it's not talking to a guy. It's like a self-reflection type of thing. But just like that last song made me think that to where you're talking to your brother. So it's kind of like a self-dedication type of thing. But I could be wrong with that. I could be wrong with that. Just a theory. I'm not going to say anything because once you rip me, once I release the music, right. it's completely up for interpretation. Like, you go crazy. With right, right, right. See, yeah, you are an artist. True artist. <laughs> like, it's, I won't say you're wrong or you're right. It's, it's, about, it's about you. After it's out of my hands, it's definitely about you. So, yeah, for sure. It says that my meeting is about to, our, our meeting is about to end. I don't even know what to do about that. Um, but let's see, the song for you, 
you say in that song, if we make amends, we're friends, but for how long? Yeah. I felt that. I felt that because I feel like that has happened to me a lot, like over the yeah. last few years where I'll, I'll care about somebody, we'll build something, and however it plays out, plays out. But once we try to go back and fix it and then just build from there, it starts to either become extremely awkward or you always have some type of resentment or pain that you like hold on to. So can you just speak to me a little about a little bit about that being like one of the first songs and then you transitioning into the newer album where it's like so much deeper than just that? Yeah. You know, um, when I was writing for you, um, I mean, I think everyone knows this just based off the titles of the EPs. Um, obviously, it was based off of an actual situation. And this was in the midst of the pandemic. And um, there was just a situation happening. <laughs> and literally what you just said, um, you know, you you care about someone, you've built something, then it, it, it ends. And then you want to kind of go back. And essentially, that's where for you came from that right. just that, that 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 vibe of you know what what happens now and so you know i didn't know how to express that i feel like that song even though it sounds good or whatever it sounds pretty i feel like just writing that song the way that i was feeling at the time i didn't know how to express what it was that I wanted out of that situation. Right. I didn't know how to express what it meant about making amends and, you know, if we essentially messed this up, then what, you know? Um, and now that we've messed it up, what? What then? Right. You know, I didn't know how to really express that, so I just kind of let the song be as I've, I I've completely lived that. Yeah. Yeah, and the, cra- and the thing is, like, writing it for me you know this is another way that I, I kind of deal with things and deal with the balance of emotions is just using the writing process of songs as therapy i needed to write that song so i could understand what it is and i think that's why even when i look back at the lyrics and how i wrote those lyrics grammatically are extremely incorrect <laughs> but, but that's how you know you meant it <laughs> yeah, but 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 there was so reflective of what i was feeling at the time which was really confused <laughs> you know understand that. really confused, but just wanting to get these emotions out and you know that's 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 what it is you know that's what it is about writing songs and just putting your all into something and putting your, your all into pen and paper. It's anything can happen. And that's just, that's essentially what for you was. It was just me being so confused, writing whatever that is. And then the song was born. All right, so I'm back with the superstar extraordinaire. Thanks again. Um, Hi. We were talking about For You before things went a little haywire there. Um, I do still have one more question like about that video. It's going to be a little bit random, but just stick with me, right? Yeah. 
So what is racism like in South Africa? I mean, I'm pretty sure, as you know, the states, the racism speaks for itself in fucking all of the mm -hmm. media, all of the movies online. So, like, what is, is there any type of particular racism in South Africa? I also give you this because there's a white guy in my music video. <laughs> I'm glad, I'm glad, I'm glad you know where I'm going. Um... You know, obviously, um, my country is literally, like, new to democracy. Um, when I was born, um, 1999 was essentially the last year of Nelson Mandela's term as president. And he's the, the first black president. So, um, I'm not going to say that we are in the clear when it comes to racism. We're not. But I do think my, my generation, you know, is a lot more open to essentially, you know, interracial relationships, discussions about race. We're a lot more open. Not everyone. You know, some people are still, even people my age are still very weird about, you know, certain interactions with people of color. Um, but for the most part, it's definitely completely different to what it was like when my parents were um, my age, which was mid-apartheid. So, um, yeah, it's, it's not all the way there, you know but it is definitely a tad bit better. The conversations are a bit better. A bit, not completely, but a bit, yeah. See, I think here in the States, the reason why racism never like progresses, or the reason why racism always stays, I guess I should say, is because yeah. America is so like regional and everything's so spread out you will yeah. have like different cities that like they're more progressive they accept everything and then you'll have yeah. pockets and cities where people never leave where yeah. they're from never leave anything so they're never going to be open to new mindsets and new ideas so i always like to hear different perspectives of places where it's not like not as spread out and how things yeah. seem to progress yeah um your song dues yes i think that's probably my favorite song Yay! Maybe over the moon. I'm lying. I have different songs for different moods. Yeah. Different moods. Yeah. Over the yeah. moon, just like the creativity and the songwriting. That's like, that's probably my overall favorite. But Do's um definitely resonates with me the most because that one, like I said with the other ones, I I necess I really lived that song. I'm at a young lady that tried to come back into my life. And mm -hmm. so bad, I wanted to ignore all of the red flags and all of the hazards mm -hmm. and just yeah. like be involved with this person. But I knew what would come with like mm -hmm. taking the time to be back in it. So when I heard that song, I'm like, okay. Yeah. Someone really does get it. Yeah. Speak to me about that song. Like, is there a specific inspiration behind that song? I know you say a lot of your shit is real but i want to hear about that one specifically really because i really went through that mm. um <laughs> um don't feel too much pressure i only have a few more questions don't feel too pressured we're almost done trust me 
Um, you know, with Jews, um, I think I wanted to be my most honest and direct. Super and direct. Yeah, just really confrontational. And um, at the time of Jews, um, Summer Walker had dropped still over it. And uh, I love he that was album too. Her- Is it me? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She was, she was, she was talking her shit, and um, she had fourth baby mama on there, and she just started off with, um, I wanna saw what your mama, she show up your ass. I was like, ah! <laughs> I was like, you can say that on the phone? Okay. <laughs> let's be confrontational, let's be direct, and at the time, I was going through a really, one of many with the same person, but <laughs> a breakup. And um, it was really sh- like shit. And what was happening at the time, and this was, I think, around November or something. Uh, not even, I think it was October. And um, things well, were happy, just- Happy anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> things are not looking great. And, um, and so I just took the time to um, write that song just to kind of reflect on everything A, that I'd been through in that situation, but also B, all the things that I wanted to say to this person I said into the song because it's like, you know, if I never get to speak to you again, it's okay, but you're going to get right. the song. So that's enough for me. <laughs> yeah, that's enough communication. I do that too, and that's almost cheating. It's almost like I'm going, you're going to, you're going to hear what I have to, that's like blocking somebody. Maybe you like it or not. <laughs> that's you know, like blocking somebody you. after you send the last text. Exactly. That's hilarious. You know? So have so has exactly. have yeah. you ever had to deal with the consequences of making a song? Like has anybody ever like and been completely wrong about a song being about them but reached out to you about something that they heard and felt just a certain type of way? Has that ever happened to you? Oh, you know what's you know what's so crazy? Um I'm not um I'm not someone who will necessarily hide if the song's about you. Right. Um, I've had conversations with people who have written songs about, especially songs that I've released. I feel like if I haven't released the song, say anything. Right. Um, it will just stay in my songbook. But um, if I've released the song, I'll probably have a conversation. With Jews, uh, specifically, I actually sat in the room with the person. Really? <laughs> yeah. I know and- that was hella awkward for him. <laughs> um, I feel like he wasn't impressed, but we'll get to that point. Um, <laughs> um, I actually sat in the room, so the, I think the day after it was released, after the wow. was and I was like, you know what, there's a couple songs that I wrote about you, but I'll play two songs that I'm probably going to release, uh-huh. um, I'm probably going to make music videos for, so I think you should hear them. And then I played him Why. And then I played him Deuce, and he rewinded it a, few, a couple times just to hear exactly <laughs> what I was saying. Wow. He was staring at me the entire time, and um, that's hilarious. I don't know if it was me, I wouldn't know if I'm to be honored or feel disrespected. Like it's a song about me, but it's a song about what we had, so it's kind of yeah. like yeah. Um, I feel because Deuce wasn't the only song I've ever written about this person. And he knows the other songs. Damn, is well. this guy a piece of shit? <laughs> <laughs> He's a special wow. case. He's okay. a special case. But um, 
he knows the songs. Um, from a conversation that I had with him, he did right. say that um, the songs, in a nutshell, made him feel guilty, you know. Right. And As they're supposed to. <laughs> uh, but, that, but that's the crazy thing. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I'm just telling a story. You're telling the you truth. So, yeah, you so happen to be the inspiration, but I'm right. not trying to hold you to court. And if I am, if you feel like I am, why don't you then change? <laughs> right, right, right. You know? So do you do you ever get input from other people's like other people's opinions or how they feel about something that you already made? So for example, you made a song about an ex and your friend comes to you like, Hey, that's maybe a little bit too far. I wouldn't release that. Has that ever happened or do you care for things like that? Okay, I, I don't care. <laughs> okay. Right. So, so first thing, don't care. But you know, all my friends are creatives and right. So they're like, love it, call them right. out, good, say that again, repeat, tell them the truth, <laughs> cry about it, we love that song, you know, so it's not, I've never had person like close people be like, mm, maybe you should have said that, I say that more to myself, like, I'll listen to Juice essentially 10 months later, because that's when it dropped, or a year right. after I wrote it, and I'm like, Wow, that was harsh. You know, I understand if the inspiration is pissed because I would be too. Like, why would you say that? You know, but I know that I'm coming from a place of honesty. Uh, so I, I try not to judge too much. But yeah, I think I judge myself more than anything. I judge my lyrics the most. I'm like, wow, yeah. maybe I shouldn't hit that specific line. But it's right. also a very nice line. So. <laughs> so know? for myself, if it's ever a song that's truly expressing something that I went through or how I feel in a particular moment, I'll record yeah. the song and maybe sit on it for a week or two or three weeks and then come back and yeah. listen to the song. And if it's mm -hmm. a good song, I'll probably keep it. But if it's something that I feel like isn't still how I feel or isn't like a representation mm -hmm. of how I really yeah. feel, then I'll never release the song. I'll still keep it, won't delete it. But I just yeah. won't release it. Do you ever deal with yeah. that? Um, with the songs that I keep, um, it's usually songs that I, I yeah, just kind of felt like, uh, maybe I did that shit. Lyrically, this was weak, or uh, this is the the vibe that I'm on right now, or this right. is the vibe of, um the current project that I'm trying to release, you know, it will be more of that, you know. Um, I try my best if I'm preparing for a project, I try my best to write songs that are um, all gonna fit together within that project. But if I feel right. like one specific song just kind of goes left or kind of repeats the same thing that a previous song was saying, then I'll be like, okay, we have to just kind of omit that one. But right. yeah. Usually things that just creatively, I'm just like not feeling probably. Yeah. Well, last thing about the music, I will say. Mm -hmm. The way you're able to really depict what it is, the emotion of the song is in the video mm -hmm. is really yeah. creative. Crazy. You're so sad in your videos. <laughs> it's so fucking heartwarming how fucking. Yeah. You you definitely drew me in. Uh, For You was the first one I saw. Yeah. Um, What's the one where the guy has the plastic over him? 
Why? Why? <laughs> that video is so sad. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. <laughs> Can you speak to me about premiering on uh, MTV Base? You premiered yeah. in June. Like, how has that been? How has the, the excitement behind actually having people view your video? How is how is that? How have you dealt with that? You know, um, obviously, I had, I was kind of prepared for it with for you because for you was dropped a year right. and a half ago, almost a year and a half ago, um, almost two years ago. Um, so I was kind of prepared for that release, you know, it being out in the public. But I know that. Um, with this specific content also because like um of how emotional it was and you know the story that i told you that whoever the song was about they knew and you know and so it was quite nerve-wracking a bit because it's kind of like okay now i'm telling the world this and obviously not everyone knows know the depths of the story and they don't have to um you know, it's just about the song and, and, and the video and what that represents. But for me, knowing the true story and the symbolism behind everything in the music video, it was like, well, I'm really now releasing these emotions out into the universe. There's no, there's no turning back after this. Um, but you know, it's crazy. It's crazy to be on MTV um, and to have, you know, people really because they're quite like tough they, they really reject <laughs> music videos left right and center there um obviously because it's such a, a big platform so they're, right. they're very specific about what they play so to be able to have them you know really appreciate my work especially with how complicated it actually kind of is if you're not really paying attention like if you just watch the video in passing you'll be very confused right. um so to have them really resonate and understand it, it was really beautiful and to also have them premiere it twice because also Jews um, premiered a week later um, on MTV Base it was just a complete honor honestly um, it was a complete honor and I'm, I'm really just humbled to have my work really recognized because I put a lot of myself into it well, listen, like I said, ever since I found it, I've been a huge fan. I definitely appreciate you being able to express yourself in a way that I connect with and I'm able like to say I'm excited to share with other people. Like I really do get excited about sharing your music with women. It's it's really fun. <laughs> so I'm satisfied with listening to this album for a really long time, but I have to ask what's next for SBX? Like, what what do you want to do as far as music and as far as elevating to the next level in your career? Um, You know, for me, the goal has always been taking it overseas, which right. I... And slowly but surely, you know, making necessary steps to get closer. It's happening. But yeah. So I just want to do that. Let me be proof of that. It is definitely happening. <laughs> yes. Keep going. So I really need that, you know, that dream to just, you know, just 
come in and just go crazy and um you know for me that's that's what it is just touching international stages um really getting my music um overseas and being able to to you know to travel to those places through my music and everything i, I really love that and obviously um i'm gonna continue dropping more music and continue telling my story and and, and sharing my feelings <laughs> and making people cry on the way to work and um, um yeah i'm just i'm just gonna continue doing that um because i know that the more i do that the closer i am to making sure that all my dreams come to fruition and so yeah well like you said earlier in this in this conversation you're you're made for it and you know it's gonna happen you just have to keep doing the steps to make sure it does and enjoy every single part of it while you do that's that's really the biggest part it's because yeah. you can get the success like that but if you never really enjoyed the the trip into getting it then it's like how do you really yep. sustain it exactly so i have three final questions for you these are probably going to be the hardest questions i've asked oh okay <laughs> okay you ready yeah so the first being, do you have a favorite book and why? Oh my gosh. I know, right? Favorite Everyone book. always responds with that. <laughs> favorite book? That is so crazy. Can I just be upfront and honest with everybody in the room? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Everyone, I have... brace yourself. <laughs> I haven't read a proper book in years well listen the book the book that i sent you as the book of the week for this week that's definitely yeah. not the book to start with i wanted to talk to you a little bit about that but i haven't even thoroughly gone through the book it's it's extremely overwritten like okay. the, the the author uses extremely big words to like loop around what he's trying to say so de definitely don't start with that one the other one i sent you, <laughs> the beverly jenkins the romance novel that's a definitely a great book, I would say, if you're looking to get back into reading. Definitely enjoy mm -hmm. enjoy that. For you to be as artistically sound as you are, I'm a little bit disappointed. You hurt my feelings with that. Three years. <laughs> Can I defend myself? Can I defend myself? I'm in listening. High, in high school, um, I used to read all the time, like all okay. the time. So I can tell you what my favorite book from then was. I'm I, listening. The Kite Runner. The, the Kite Runner, runner. okay. Okay, Absolutely I got you. Um, 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 for some reason, I also really enjoyed Shakespeare. I just right. understood it so well. Um, Othello being my favorite. Okay. But my, Macbeth is a close second. Right. Um, Have you seen the Macbeth movie, the uh, Denzel Washington version? No. It's no. really good. Yeah, you my whole thing. Check it out. My thing with um, with uh, once if I read the book first, I, I run away from movies. Listen, Ex except I completely for, understand. Yeah, because they kind of ruin everything, and I have examples. Right. <laughs> I have examples of movies that kind of just the book was bad. I told myself I was going to start a YouTube channel where I compare uh, the book versions to the movie versions because yeah. I have a few of those too where the book supersedes yeah. the fucking movie. But that movie, yeah. trust me when I tell you, 
it's mm-hmm. it's pretty accurate to the play. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought it was a, a really it's almost like watching a play in movie form if that makes sense to yeah, you like, right, 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 it's not right. like it's too cinematic to where it destroys the purpose of the it whole, it was really yeah, good right. you you would yeah. really love it trust me well mm-hmm. I loved it not you would really love it I can't just force that <laughs> on you like that that was pretty crazy <laughs> alright so my next question I guess you can say these final two questions are like one question is a two part, but I'll yeah. break it down for you. What, if any, right now, mm-hmm. is the name of your life's memoir? What's the name of that book? Oh my God. And why? Um. Oh, let me think about that. Well, while you think about that, the second question is mm-hmm. just think about it all together. The first. Mm-hmm. What's the name of your life's memoir so far and why? And the second is, what would it say in the author's notes about you? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Think about it. That's it, and we're done. I promise you we're done after that. Um, oh my gosh. Um, I think right now. That's always my favorite currency. question. Currently. Currently. As the great poets Courtney Kardashian once said. <laughs> <laughs> you are too much. My vibe right now is just living life. <laughs> that's the name, that's the full name of the book. That's the book. My vibe right um, now is just living life. My vibe right now is just living life. And I like currently, like, that's where I'm at. Okay. Um, <laughs> the author's notes are she lived <laughs> she lived <laughs> she, she came she's she living. saw she conquered she's she's I like here. that she's here for the experience so you just gotta let her experience it and find out after I like that Literally, I'll tell you guys after I'm done experiencing <laughs> <laughs> that's a nice little cliffhanger yeah. Listen, I wanted to argue with you about that, that tweet that you a little clip that I saw earlier this morning. But one yeah. thing I've come to realize about you is you're good at trolling. Once I saw the full context of what you were saying, I couldn't do anything else but agree with you. Men yeah. are at wasting time, but not just with women, with everything, mm-hmm. with our yeah. own goals, the things we want to achieve, everything, we, we tend yeah. to be very wasteful. So in that full context, I said, ooh, she got me. She got yeah. me. Yeah. But also that's another thing that I want people to always know about me is that I am most of the time just and I think I say this in I say this in that exact interview. I know how to get people talking. You definitely do. Uh, So most of the time I'm trolling. (laughs) Don't take everything I say. Which is a great talent to have if you use it the right way. Yes, absolutely. Definitely. Well, listen, before we get off, again, I want to thank you. I want to tell you about the few things. Like I said, the point of me starting this composition podcast is to try to Mm -hmm. share with people how cool I think it is about, like, learning new things. So I just want to tell you the new things that I've learned from you just from listening to your music, watching your interviews, and learning about you. So I've learned about Seba Selects and all all of his interviews, the different information able to share shout out to him mm-hmm. learned what a vanak is mm-hmm. that was really cool um 
super, super interesting. I learned about a few new artists. I learned about um, Blackie, I believe his name was, and Nasty C. I checked out their music all because yeah. of you. So definitely thank you for opening up my mind to new cultures. Awesome. New music, new fucking emotions. Um, this was you know what I'm a, yeah. a hell of a conversation. I definitely appreciate you being dedicated enough to your music and to your image mm-hmm. to be up this late, not feeling good, and have this conversation with me. I really do appreciate it. I'm happy. I'm happy. I was happy to be here. Thank you. So until next time, ladies and gentlemen, this has been the superstar extraordinaire SBX. Checking all the way from Africa with the Composition Podcast. I appreciate you. Thank you again. You get you some rest, get you some more tea, and enjoy your evening, all right? Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you a lot.